Hi, friends. What would it feel like to be 100% you 100% of the time? This is a question I asked one of my clients yesterday, and I saw her journey of her mind as she went through this thought in her mind on her face. So it looked like this confusion, like, hmm, I don't even really know what that would be like to, I wonder what that would be like to a mini aha moment when the eyebrows went up and she's like, hmm, maybe, maybe this is what it would feel like. And we had a whole discussion about this and I can't wait to share what we discovered and uncovered during our discussion. Welcome to another episode of Road to Radical Visibility. My name is Rachel Freeman Sowers, also known as the Breakthrough Bitch, because I am so passionate about helping people in the LGBTQ+, neurodiverse, and female communities to become more bold in the expression of themselves, their mission, and their truth in business and in life. And my motto has always been to help people be 100% themselves, 100% of the time, no shame or guilt needed. And that is what we're going to talk more about on this episode today. I can't wait to share with you my clients' experiences and then share with you a little more about some of the other aha moments my clients have had because of what we've been able to uncover, undo, deconstruct, and then recreate the reality that they actually want. Okay, so enough of that. Let's dive in. So I was with my client yesterday and we were talking about feeling stuck and about feeling like she has to be one way in one area, one way in another area. So let's just say in personal life, she's this way in business or in her professional life, she's this way with her in-laws. She's this other way with her friends. She's this way. And I have worked a long time on myself to be 100% myself, 100% of the time, no matter where I'm at. Now, a couple of benefits to this that I have experienced is, is I'm not trying to figure out what I said to this person, what I'm supposed to do to that person, what I'm not supposed to say over here, what I'm supposed to say over here, how I'm supposed to act here, how I'm not supposed to act. I mean, like, I'm serious. Like my ADD went haywire and I was exhausted all the time. I was hypervigilant all the time. My nervous system was literally fried. I'm wondering if you can relate. It's like you're trying to keep track of all of these things. And honestly, you are missing out on the best parts of life because you can't be present because you're always trying to for forecast what's going to happen and prepare for the thing that you don't even know is going to happen. Right. And we get caught up in this cycle And some of the things that keep you on this cycle that have kept my clients on this cycle are the next three things that I'm going to share with you. So when I ask my client the question, what would it be like to be yourself 100% yourself 100% of the time? She's like, Rachel, I really don't know. If you also have this thought, like, I don't really know. I want to let you know that it's totally normal. And It's normal because we have been taught to not be ourselves. I'm just going to claim that. There's been cultural influences, religious influences, societal influences. Um, There's been 
I mean, any experience you have has been co-created. And this is what we're going to talk about more today. So I am part of the LGBT plus community. I am so happy to be part of this community. I'm so proud to be part of this community. But for a very long time, I've been told that I was going to go to hell, that I shouldn't love another woman, that because I'm doing it, it's blasphemy, that God loves me, but he doesn't like the sin. So I'm still going to go to hell. Um, you know, all of these things, even in my business being discriminated against in my community. I remember one time I was walking my dog down the street and literally this car drives by and he's like, you fucking dyke. I'm like, I'm walking my dog. I didn't do anything to you. Right. Or sometimes, and this may piss some people off. So just FYI, I see those stickers around my town that said LGBT, um, LGBT. And it's like, law, gun, Trump, and something else. I'm like, why do you have to take LGBT and turn it into something else, right? There's there's things that we experience in our culture, in our surroundings, in our environment that were taught by our parents, that were taught by leaders, experts, whatever, that co-create our reality, which cause us to do the one of the number one things that keeps us stuck in a cycle of experiencing the same feelings, experiencing the same emotions, experiencing the same um, frustration, irritation, the same feeling of being stuck. And this is by, or it, it is compartmentalization. So we compartmentalize things, which is useful for our brain. So I'm not wanting to swing to either way of the pendulum and saying, don't compartmentalize. And one is you should compartmentalize everything. I mean, I just would love for you to entertain that there's somewhere in the middle that we can play. The possibility is, is that I can compartmentalize the things that are helpful for me to compartmentalize, but not go to an extreme to where I have to have everything planned out. So this client is someone who has had an experienced huge amount of anxiety. She said to me in our first um, session that we have together, she's like, I have to plan everything. Like she never goes into a meeting unplanned. She never is in a situation where she um, doesn't know what to say or she's caught off guard. She plans it all to keep herself safe. That's what we're doing. When we live a life like that, we are planning everything so we can stay safe. I'm going to share an example about that. So compartmentalizing to an extreme is that's what we're doing. Our nervous system is so fried that we have to think that we know everything, which we don't really know everything, even if you plan it out. And <laughs> sorry, sorry, not sorry. Um, and, and this is why I teach people to do this opposite thing of wholeness, right? So compartmentalizing. She compartmentalizes her professional life from her personal life. And she said to me, Rachel, I'm going to hire a success coach. This is what I'm going to do because, or strengths coach, sorry. I'm going to hire a strengths coach because she's going to show me my strengths. She's like, for the longest time, I went to this uh, women's leadership thing and it was really huge. And I won this award. She's like, I'm embarrassed to even say I won the award. I wonder if you're ever embarrassed to say that you actually won something that you actually receive something that really acknowledges your strengths. Just a side note. And so she's like, so I went to this conference and I took the strengths test and she's like, I sat there because my strengths were relational, communicative, you know, all of the quote unquote soft skills. 
And she's like, how am I going to be a leader with these skills? I'm not, I'm not strategy oriented. I'm not all of these things. So the first thing we had to point out is why she was compartmentalizing what was good strengths and what was bad strengths in her mind. So first of all, all of the strengths that she thought that she should have are very masculine driven. And this is evidence of us being brought up into this patriarchal world where those things are valued more than relationships. And then she said this. She, she tilted her head. If you're watching the podcast, just pick, I mean, listening to the podcast, just pick, she tilted her head, put her fingers on her um, chin and said, hmm, I'm having a moment. <laughs> I said, yes, another moment, right? I love these moments that my clients have. And she said, wait, the things that I discovered were my strengths were actually the things that I was taught to not really love about myself. She's like, I've always been emotional. I've always been feeling. I've always been more sensitive. She's like, but now those are my strengths. And I said, so let's talk about what the strength coach is going to tell you that you don't already know now. Now I'm not dissing this other person. And again, if you have multiple support people, I think that's great. But what I'm pointing out is that the compartmentalization was, these are my strengths in my personal life, but they're not my strengths in my professional life. And that is not true. I said, what is the difference of the work that we do to uncover, to discover your wholeness, to return yourself back to your wholeness and love these parts of you that you were taught to not love, that weren't so great to not show? And you have, you need these in your professional life. They're all the same. I said, so now what would it feel like if you were 100% yourself 100% of the time? What that means is that you're not trying to gauge what people need from you necessarily all the time in this circumstance or in this circumstance, but you show up as yourself with all of these strengths and you use them in all the areas. So the reason people get stuck is, or oftentimes people feel like, well, I can do it over here in this area of my life, but I can't do it over here. It's because we've compartmentalized. There's something that is blocking the communication to say, wait, this can be used here and it can also be used over here. So she's a really high level professional and she had a meeting and the last meeting we had, we went over some stuff because she was going to have to do like her first kind of disciplinary action. And in that, we were able to show her how she can use her strengths that she discovered that were she was told weren't so strong in this instance, in a professional environment in which then she was able to be herself. She said, Rachel, I sat in that review and I could look at this person with compassion. I could hold this space of just compassionate energy. And as she really struggled during our time together, I was able to just be there with her in the exact way that I wanted to. Now, the beauty of this is, is that when we start, stop compartmentalizing how we have to be in every single situation, we release the stress on the nervous system, on the brain, and we just show up as ourselves. 
Another example is when I'm with different clients, I don't act differently. I show up as the same Rachel Freeman Sowers, the breakthrough bitch, right? Like I show up the same. Does that mean I say everything the same to the, to all of my clients? No, I speak to my clients in a way that will help them guide themselves into being the person they want to be into having the life in the business that they want to have showing up a hundred percent themselves, a hundred percent of the time, no shame or guilt needed, Right. So we take away some of the compartmentalization that we have done in our lives so that we could stay safe. All right. So the second thing is, is that often keeps people stuck in the same cycle is the um, lack of awareness and the normalization of self-shaming. I take a drink of my coffee. Oh, and yes, this mug was made by my wife. I'm shamelessly promoting her. Yes, this is her mug. Ronnie's throwing stuff on Facebook. Just saying. (laughs) Go check it out. Okay, so self-shaming. And it's the normalization of self-shaming. I was with a group of women not that long ago. And the number one thing that was repeated by every single woman there is I want to stop being so hard on myself. Being so hard on myself is another way of saying I'm shaming myself all the time. I'm demeaning myself. There's something I'm not doing. I'm still not enough. I'm constantly striving, right? And so this normalization of self-shaming is BS because the majority of the stuff that you may be shaming yourself for wasn't even yours to begin with. So think of it like this. If we talk about co-creation again, and we're co-created by all of the environments that we've been in, all of the experiences that we've had, I wasn't born shaming myself. But I can tell you this, which may rub some people the wrong way, and that's okay. All of the religious stuff I have been taught, yes, God loves me, but yet I shouldn't be a lesbian. Yes, accept Jesus into your heart, but you're still going to hell. Like, this is confusing to me. And it was always been confusing. I struggled so long. And for the longest time growing up in a religious culture in which one thing was one thing, but another thing that didn't make any sense. People are preaching one thing from the pulpit and doing another thing behind the scenes. And so I taught to shame myself and not be enough by constantly striving Constantly being fear-driven. I've suffered from extreme anxiety throughout the majority of my life. And now I have finally mastered a way not to suffer from extreme anxiety. But what had to happen is I had to realize that the things I was shaming myself for were not things I should be shaming myself for in the first place. (laughs) Let me say that again. Like the things I was shaming myself for are not things I should be shaming myself for. And so when I discovered and deconstructed who taught me to shame myself, what circumstances said I wasn't good enough, the time I went and worked my ass off to get into corporate America, because that was the way that I was going to be able to make the money I needed to make to support my family. And that would mean as a single mother for so long, I finally had arrived. And when I arrived to that place, guess what they said? 
you're too sensitive for this job. We don't think it's a good fit. And honestly, it was like, I didn't understand, right? The thing that everyone told me I should be able to do was the thing now someone told me I couldn't do. And then I was finally like, F you, like, I'm just going to go make my sensitivity into a superpower. And guess what? That's what I've done. <laughs> Even when people have told me, Rachel, you're never going to be able to do it. So I want you to consider right now the things that you're shaming yourself for. What are the things that didn't, that were told to you that weren't okay, that weren't good? I brought it up in, in posts before about like children should be seen and not heard. That's one of the things that I clearly remember at the age of 49. Now, I get that the parenting has changed, but I want to tell you at the time when I was a child, the parenting was like that. My parents did the best they could. But the fact of the matter is, is that I grew up in a different time and that is still in my memory bank because it was traumatizing because it was like, oh my gosh, you know, I can't say anything. Whatever I have to say isn't worth hearing. You know, it's not good enough. And then having, being in school and not being able to have my own critical thought. Like so many things happened in my private school. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And the minute I brought it up, I was shamed for it because I didn't, I had questions and I was like, this doesn't make sense. I mean, who gets suspended for wearing an acid wash jean to skirt, jean skirt, <laughs> jean skirt to school because it's a state of rebellion. That would be me. Just in case you're wondering, these are the things that teach us to shame ourselves. And then shaming ourselves is normalized. It's even normalized in our culture when we say, even in the entrepreneurship world, you know, if you're not doing it this way, then you're not going to be able to have this thing. If you don't follow my system, you're probably going to suffer even longer. If you don't, um, make seven, six figures, then you're not a successful entrepreneur. Or what about the people in the online world that say I'm making six figures, but really their profit is about a thousand dollars. Why do people do that? Why do we not show up a hundred percent, a hundred percent as ourselves, a hundred percent of the time with no shame or guilt needed? Why do, why do we have to inflate things? Because we've been shamed. That's why. And I want you to realize that the majority of the time, if not all of the time, the voice of shame that you have inside of you is not yours to begin with. And it is not you. The thing my clients struggle with, one one of the things my clients struggle with the most is they say, this is me. I can't do this. And why was I so stupid? Why am I such blah, 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 blah. That's not you, my friend. Look me in the eye on this video and know that that is not you. That is what you've been taught was you. So that leads us to the third point. The third thing that keeps people shut is stuck is the assumption that your truth is your truth. Okay, so I'm going back to the same thing. I'm going back to co-creation. What I was taught was my truth was... um. I am supposed to love a man and only love a man and get married and have children and be submissive to a man 
and my life will be so wonderful. That was told to me. That was my truth. It says here, Rachel, take this thing. And now you own it and you claim it as what your truth is. That wasn't my truth. The truth is that that is not how I have to live to be good enough. That is not how, who I have to be to prove I am worthy. Let's just take a moment and talk about professional workplace in corporate America. And in places where there's so much measurement that the humanness in business is lost. If you don't do this, you get this score, you don't get that money, therefore you have proven to not be good enough. You are not deserving. Oh Lord, I mean, I'm gonna go off on a soapbox, I can feel it right now. Like that is bullshit. Now I get we have to have measurements. I'm not talking extremes where we where we measure everything or we don't measure anything. But there is a happy medium. There is a gray area that the place where we can play with the possibility that just because I did this thing or you don't think or somebody thinks that you didn't do what you were supposed to do and therefore you're not deserving of the money that would feed your family or the money that you believe that you have earned. I've seen this over and over again with performance reviews. I've helped so many people follow up on their performance review because they've been blasted, sideblinded. I was sideblinded. And good review, good review, good review. And then all of a sudden it tanks. Like that doesn't make sense. But it was the person's attitude or feelings or whatever they were going through that affected how they saw you. So no wonder we walk around thinking or having my clients saying, I wait to see what they need from me. And then I do whatever I think that they need so that I can feel like I'm good enough. No, 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 no. You are good enough just as you are. But we're trained that our truth becomes how we interact with other people or what other people say or think about us. And then we think that we're solely responsible for what other people think about us. You are not. You are not responsible for what other people think about you. It's their thought. I don't care if it's negative or positive. Like, I really don't. People will think that what I do is selfish because I talk about how to care for yourself the most, the most over anybody else. And I actually got a comment online that says, you are, this is the most selfish thing that you could ever say. The world is not about you. And that was in the video, in the episode that I said, I care for myself first above anybody else. Because then I'm enabled and I can care for others the way that I want to. I can show up the way that I want to. I can be and interact in the world the way that I want to because it's my life. And my friend, I'm telling you, it's your life too. So when we start assuming that what people tell us or what people have told us is our truth, actually is our truth, we lose our ability to have critical thinking skills. We lose our ability to see our wholeness because we are taught that don't, don't see it that way. That's wrong. You're not supposed to do that. That's the right, you know, like we're just told and inundated 
So what would it feel like for you to play with the possibility and choose one thing that you believe is your truth today and say, well, maybe it's not. So I'm just going to read some of the things my clients have discovered because they've entertained and played with this possibility. Here's one thing. She said, I wanted to let you know, I got this message yesterday morning. I wanted to let you know, number one, my face and head don't hurt anymore, which means I'm not grinding my teeth at night or biting my tongue in the daytime. Number two, I literally had a conversation with interrupt sleep girl last night, told her we can sleep, get good rest and tackle whatever is on her mind in the morning. These things are past concerns that hurt our hearts but we are stronger because of them and we can leave them behind. She says, OMG, WTF, exclamation point, question mark, in the middle of sleep and right back to solid sleep. Happy face emoji. She says today is quiet. When people begin to deconstruct and entertain the possibility that they don't have to compartmentalize to keep themselves safe, that self-shaming is no longer normal. It's not a normal thing that people should just do. And they assume that the truth that they think is their truth is not really their truth and start constructing their own. This is what happens. Here's another one. When my world had been ripped out from under me, Rachel helped me to open my spirit. And when my heart had been slammed shut, she, she pushed me through unspeakable trauma, teaching me to speak all of my truth and commit to working towards my wholeness. Rachel has helped me to see me, to recognize me and separate myself from people's expectations and instead live up to my own. This is the stuff I live for you guys. Like if any of this is resonating with you, the reason I'm sharing with it it with you is because it is possible for it to be different. You can change what your reality is right now. Here's another one. I took off my heavy coat and I don't have to be a fucking imposter today. This is what my client said at the end of yesterday's session. I don't have to be a fucking imposter today. I can take off the heavy coat. If I learn more about my wholeness, if I begin to see my wholeness, if I begin to release the anxiety and be a hundred percent myself, a hundred percent of the time, I don't have to be a fucking imposter anymore. What would that feel like for you? Here's the last one. For the first time, I can have a glimpse into my future. I am really able to set clear boundaries without guilt. Now I know I say it a lot without guilt and shame, but I think that these are the two things that we are taught to do to ourselves so that we stay small, so that we can continue to participate in a system that says you must always be striving participate in a system. And even in the online world where I have to have this kind of coach and that kind of coach and that kind of coach and that kind of coach. What if you didn't have to have any kind of that? What if you stopped looking outside of yourself and were able to look internally in yourself and say, holy crap, it's all here. 
I see it very clearly. I love the things, all of the things about me. And you stop shoving away the things that you have been taught have not been helpful, good, right? You can stop the self-shaming. What would that feel like for you? Because I'm telling you, it feels really, really good. And if you're someone that's struggling and being like, Rachel, I don't even know 100% myself 100% of the time. I don't even know myself. This is the wise one within you giving you a little indicator that says, hey, listen, I'm still in here. I want you to know me again. I want you to get to know me again. So I think I just want to end this video here. Well, I guess I'll say one more thing. (laughs) Surprise! Not really. Um, If you're really struggling in this area, if you are saying to yourself, I don't really recognize who I am right now. I didn't think my life was going to be this way at this point in time. And there is something within you saying that there is more for you. I want to tell you that there is more for you. And, you know, as many of you know, I'm not doing therapeutic work anymore. And I'll have an episode about that. That's a real honest conversation (laughs) um, about why I stopped doing therapy. But what I do have is a program called Follow Your North Star. And in that program, we walk people through the process. I walk women, LGBTQ+, and neurodiverse people through the process of rediscovering their wholeness of uncovering all of the things that they've been taught to shame themselves for all of the reasons that they have to compartmentalize and then really recognize what is their truth, own it and claim it and live a life and have a business that is more free and more ease. And honestly, a lot more fun. Suffering doesn't make you more worthy. Suffering just means that you're suffering. This is a way to remove the suffering that you may feel or the things that you may think are normal that honestly aren't that normal and that don't, that are not required to live a fulfilling life. So I'm going to end this video like I end every single video. Oh, wait. If you want to know more about the Follow Your North Star program, you can put a comment below. You can hit me up on social media, Rachel Freeman Sowers everywhere, um, or you can email me at rachelfreemansowers at gmail.com. So that's all I'll say about that. Now in this video, like I end every single video, please make sure to stay true to yourself, be kind to others, and always, always, always honor the wise one that is within you. I'll see you all on the next Road to Radical Visibility show slash podcast. I'll see you then. Bye.